Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Aver from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ. Welcome to the 30s of the 50 most relevant today. Our number 39 player, Seb Ross from the St Kilda Football Club. Joining me on the line to talk about Sebby Ross and his fantasy relevance in 2019. I've got the Fox on. Hello, mate. How are you? Good day, MJ. Good day, listeners. How it's, are we all today? Oh, doing. I'm doing well, and I'm pretty excited to talk about the fantasy relevance of Seb Ross. Just 22 years old as a midfielder, he's been really relevant in drafts for us for a number of years. But late last year, um, and actually throughout a portion of 2017. He's shown that he's got some real nice scoring ceiling. He can get on a really good run for us. And if he can do that for a full season, he's going to go 110 plus for us right across the formats. His best score last year in fantasy and super coach was 160 exactly. In fantasy, it was against the Bulldogs. In super coach, it was against the GWS Giants. His average last year in AFL fantasy and dream team, 107.3, 107.3, while in Supercoach, it was a 102.8. He's priced at just over 550000 in Supercoach. And then Fantasy and Dream Team, pretty similar in terms of pricing, uh, both around that 770 780 range in terms of his price point. And prior to last year, he was really relevant in drafts, was really consistent. In 2016 and 2017, his averages in Fantasy and Dream Team were 98.4, 102, didn't miss a game, and from those 44 games, he scored 25 tons. In Supercoach during 2016 and 2017, 93.9 and 100.9, and scored 19 tons in those 44 games. Now, while some of those numbers, you know, you're like, yeah, that's okay, but that's not a big premium. Let's dive into the 2017 year with a little more depth before we even get to what he did last year. Between round 2 and 16, he scored over the 100 in 11 matches. Nine of them were over 110 in AFL Fantasy. Six of them were over 110 in Supercoach. And during this stretch of games, he only failed to miss the 100 mark on just three occasions. He didn't drop below 80, and he averaged in all formats of 110. So before we even talk about last year, there's history for a number of years now, Fox, that this guy can score. Uh, we've got a beauty here, MJ, I reckon. I, I'm a bit bullish, but I reckon a potential 115 mid and will be unique, uh, just in my personal opinion. Wow. He finished off the year in, in absolute style. He actually hit 40 disposals for the first time in the last two of his last three four games. Yeah. Um, and the last four games, he hit, he hit surprising numbers, the 133 in fantasy over the last four, and a surprising and whopping 136 in his less-favoured supercoach format. It, it, it was, you're right, those those final four to six weeks um, were so impressive across the formats. He averaged 126 over his final six games in fantasy, 123 over his final six games in supercoach. You and I are not the only ones noticing the potential here of Seb Ross, a, a dearly loved friend of the fantasy footy community and, and a part of the coaches panel uh, fraternity, uh, Rain Man, made a, a prediction uh, tweet about a month ago now. He said, every fantasy and dream team preseason, I pick a player in December and ride them through the season to success. 
In 2018, it was McRae. In 2017, it was Kelly. For him, despite being in a team with many question marks, that player is Seb Ross. I think one of the question marks we do need to talk about when it comes to Seb Ross is, Fox, what impact do you believe new recruit Dan Hanabry will have on his fantasy output? Um, I think the addition of Hanabry actually enhances Ross's potential to score. Okay. Um, especially if you consider they're going to out, you know, the likes of guys like Armitage and that. Um, he's going to go clean a ball around the, around the guts there. Um, and, yeah, I think it'll be a far better t- team moving forward uh, with the addition of Hanabry. Yeah. Um, and you've got, the, you've got a midfield of, like, Ross, Hannah, Steele, Gresham, with, uh, with the likes of Stephen and Billings around us. That's a pretty, pretty good midfield there. And, it's um, starting to develop. As we see with the Pies, uh, it hasn't hurt them having great midfielders in there. No, no, it, it certainly hasn't. Look, I think the thing with um, with Seb Ross, he is such a different type of player to Dan Hanabry. Um, you know, he's going to um, add and enhance, if he's fully fit, you know, some, some run and carry, some speed through the midfield, some of that endurance, um, you know, that was really one of the kind of hallmarks of his career. That's going to help someone like a Jack Stephen. Um, steals that inside competitor. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't think it's going to impact his scores too much. I do think if you're starting Seb Ross, um, he, he does have potential ceiling about him. We've seen that. He does go on runs, and we've seen that. The great thing about him, and I suppose there's a flip side to it as well, is he's going to be likely across all formats, and I think he's more fantasy and dream team relevant, but there is some super coach relevancy there. Make no mistake about it. Um, the fact is he'll be under 5% ownership. Um, in my, you know, it's a prediction. Um, you know, in early January, but um, the positive of that is if he goes well, gosh, you're probably going to have a, a ripping M3 M4 who's firing. The negative of that is if he does just go through what we have seen him do in his careers over runs of 70s, 80s, 90s, and the odd low ton, is conversely a unique can fire against you where you're now the only one feeling the pain of a failed premium. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love his. I love the uniqueness that he is yeah. going to carry into, into next year. Oh, that's what you want from from. You've got to have something that separates your side from the pack at all points in the year um, to get ahead. And now, for some people, um, they choose to go. And I'm going to go vanilla base. I'm going to go nothing that's different. Um, and I'll I'll add some variety as I go. For the others, choose to go completely different. It can't be different for the sake of different. It's got to be different because you go no no no. I think he's going to compete against this guy who's the popular selection. And so maybe people are going um, for someone like a, a Jackson McRae who's same buy around a higher price point. Maybe you're bullish on him and going, no, 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 I think Ross is going to match McRae. And so I'm going unique because I believe he's going to match him. And uh, I, I think you could build a case for that. Now, McRae is an absolute beast, you know, um, last year, but you could build that case um, for an argument like that. And that kind of makes sense for me because I can see, especially in Dream Team and Fantasy, I can see the 110 average because he's building to it. I can see that. Super coach, I, I'd need a little bit more convincing, so I'd want to upgrade to him than anything else. Um, but when it comes to our premiums, Fox, yes, we want ceiling and he's got that. Yes, we want durability and yes, he's got that. But he's also got a really strong basement of scores. A fantasy basement is a player's low scores. And while everyone's entitled to a bad game and the big ceiling games may balance out the basement, 
50s, 60s, 70s, scores like this when we're paying for an average of over 100 can really hurt a fantasy year, especially Fox in those crucial head-to-head matchups if you're playing for leagues or in rankings, if guys that are going up and getting 150s, 160s, 170s and you need the whole pace and you're getting a 70, man, those 70 and 80-point week turnarounds can really slow your rankings um, move up the board. Yeah, I, I think with Ross, um, you're gonna you're gonna save those dollars. Save if you have ever against McRae, you're gonna save that money. So it's gonna be money put towards your team somewhere else. I don't think he's actually gonna get off to a bad run. To be honest, he's got the Suns at Marvel mm. for a start. Then he's got Essendon at Marvel, and he got three away. So the first three are a beauty to start the season. That's gonna get his confidence up and um, hopefully get him on that on a big run. Yeah, I think four of his opening six games of the year are at Marvel Stadium, and he, he loves playing there. The Saints have 11 games there this year, and this is just for, uh, for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, because this is where I think the real relevance is. I think there's super coach relevance, but purely this, and another stat I want to share with you, is purely Fantasy and Dream Team. In his last 12 outings at Marvel Stadium, he's scored nine tons, has not dropped a score below 86, and averages 117.75. That is a fantastic return for a guy that over his past 12 games and has 11 games there this year, if he does that again, you are well on your way to averaging 110 across the formats. Not only does he have the ceiling, but the basement is strong. Last year in Fantasy and Dream Team, just four scores below 80 and didn't drop below 67. Now contrast that to a Dane Zorko, who's, you know, maybe has a fraction higher ceiling at times, but he had eight scores below 80, three of them below 60. Uh, Rory Sloan last year, and we've talked about him earlier in the 50 most relevant. When he gets tagged, you know, he, he goes under 70. Um, Dane Beams, despite being, you know, phenomenal last year at the Lions, um, still had a 50 and three games under 70. So while they all possess a great ceiling, so does Ross. Um, and he seems to have a better basement than some of these guys he's priced around. Yeah, cannot disagree with anything that you've said there, MJ. On. I, I think in fantasy and dream team, if you're bullish that he's gone 110, um, I, I wouldn't talk you out of starting with him whatsoever at all um, because he should only look to increase that basement a little bit more and potentially you know, bo- boast that average up a little bit more. And if he can get to that 110 average, he's worth considering at that price. Um, if you don't trust it, um, don't start him. Put him as an upgrade. And, and where he's on his buy round, you know, there's a lot of popular premiums on that round 12 buy through the midfield that he's competing for spots against. And so if you don't see him matching or competing along the lines with those players, upgrade him. He's that first guy off the buy you can upgrade to. So if he's flying out of the gate, he'll still be unique after the buy. He's not going 20 25% ownership unless he's a 115-plus midfielder, which there is the potential for. Um, but if he's only that 105-110, you'll still have him you know, in a pretty unique position and you can upgrade him after the buy if you're not as bullish as what it sounds like you are, Fox, and what Rain Man is. Yeah, well, Rain Man's a good, great judge and he's got good record on past years too. Um, but yeah, he's definitely the guy to take on a Tom Mitchell or a, or a McRae. Yeah, look, it, it's fair. If someone said to me, McRae and Mitchell in Dream Team and Fantasy um, are going to average the same, if, if someone made that as a prediction, you know, that came true at the end of the year, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. It's not like they're going, oh, no, no, no. Um, I just, 
I believe that there, there's enough evidence there in the statistics that that is going to happen. Um, if someone said, "Oh, Gold Coast are going to win every 22 games," well, of course that's not going to happen. That's a foolish prediction. Sebros matching McRae is not a foolish prediction. Let's talk drafts, though, because uh, that's where his real relevance has been, and now we're going to have to pay more for him than we ever have in terms of the round and the range we pick him. Based on his um, averages last year, for Dream Team and Fantasy Coaches, he's inside the top 10. Now, he's not going as an M1 in any league, in my opinion, because not only is he just inside that in Dream Team and Fantasy, there are guys who are listed below him in terms of seasonal average, like Zach Merritt, Nat Fife, Matt Crouch, even Dane Beams. Probably in a lot of drafts, at least three of those four, probably go before him because they're a bit more name quantity and sometimes the name gets you over the line. That said, I, I still think in Dream Team and Fantasy, look, Sebros is probably going to be your M2 and he's still going inside those first 30 selections. Yeah. Um, I'd actually take him late second and even even into the third. He's the ninth, he's the ninth um, top mid from last year in uh, Fantasy. And yeah. Second in Supercoach, uh, I have to I, I have to do this. Um, his handball ratio <laughs> is back from negative. Uh, it's gone from point nine three to one point one four, and that excites me to no end. I know so, ratios do. I, I think with Drass, it's interesting. You know, those first two to three rounds. Um, you know, if you've got captains on, then chances are in round one you're looking for a captaincy option. Guys like um, Grundy, Dangerfield, Gorn. Devin Smith, Lloyd, Laird, you know, these guys that are clear top one, two, three in their in their line are all going inside those first few rounds. Then I, I think the thing that does play into Seb Ross's favour um, is, in Dream Team and Fantasy anyway, um, is his durability as well. That's not to be discounted in drafts. No point getting a guy that can go 100 but is only playing 15 games in a year, a la the history of, of a Brad Crouch. If a guy can go 105... Um, and play 22 games, he's not going to cost you too many games with his basement, and he may win you a couple of games with his ceiling. So that's another of those yeah. variations in there. Yeah, haven't we been burnt with guys like Rockcliffe and Ablett? Zorko. Uh, you know, at least he's, he's only missed one game, hasn't he, in the last three years? Yeah, exactly right. Look, for Supercoach Draft, he's ranked outside the top 20, and like in fantasy, there are some bigger names beneath him. So he's probably more likely to drift... Um, while he could still be an M2 if someone's aggressively selecting in other lines, I think he could be an early M3 um, kind of pickup, which you'd love if you could land him as an M3. You'd be really happy with that. While in keeper leagues, um, if it's an existing, good luck getting him out of that coach. They remember what he ended the year with. They love his durability, and he's pretty much a safe 100 every single year. Good luck getting that out of a keeper league if it's an existing one. Absolutely. Good luck, absolutely. Uh, you don't sell potential mid uh, that are going to go one ten, one twenty. No, absolutely. You, uh, you'd be nuts. You'd have to. And what? And what? And what? What would you want? What would you want? What are you upgrading for? The only reason you're moving him on is because you're upgrading to a midfielder that you think is going to go considerably better than him. So you, you're moving, and maybe to more of a name factor even, you know, to the McKe- the, the Kellys, um, the McCrays, the Mitchells, you know. I, I, I probably wouldn't do that, you know, moving along. Maybe you've got no forwards, and so you're having to sacrifice to go and get 
you know, a, a danger field or things like that. But even then, I'm like, if you've got him, why are you choosing to get rid of him? Built with someone else. Yeah. He's on the edge of prime. Yeah, he is. He's 22 and he's gone in fantasy and dream team just shy of 110 already. There's no reason to move him on unless you're in an abundance of premium midfielders and you are desperately lacking in other lines. Otherwise, why would you do it? Madness. All right, fair enough. Hey, man, appreciate your thoughts today as we've talked about Seb Ross. Thanks, MJ. Thanks for listening. Uh, if, you want to... go, thanks. <laughs> uh, if you want to go and check out the podcast uh, for all the other players on the 50 Most Relevant, you can go back and do that right now. Or you can read the article on Seb and every other player revealed in the 50 Most Relevant at coachespanel.tv. Plenty of content landing there every single day to help you through your fantasy football preseason of 2018. No, 2019. I'll get the year right eventually. 